Welcome to DesignCast. Jason Reagan will guide you through the MYP design course like a pro. Stay tuned. Welcome to season three of DesignCast. I can't believe it's finally happening and I'm so privileged and humbled that you've joined me for this exciting event. On today's episode of DesignCast, I speak to Jarrett Dunbar. Jarrett started his career as an industrial designer and then he moved into teaching a bit later. I worked with Jarrett over the past two years and I really enjoyed his spirit of collaboration and his attitude towards lifelong learning. He's now headed over to Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. Uh, We talk about all kinds of topics, but in the end, we find focus in talking about biomimicry. And biomimicry is a field that's been gaining a lot more traction in recent years, and it's a way of finding inspiration for design um, in the nature around us, in the natural world. And so I think it's a really interesting conversation, and I know that you'll enjoy it. Uh, I'll put all of the ways to follow Jarrett in the show notes, but we are so happy that you have chosen to spend some time listening to DesignCast. As always, we'd love to hear from you. There is a way to leave voice feedback on the Anchor homepage for this show, as well as just reaching out to me on all the social media platforms. So if you enjoy it, please make sure you leave a comment. It would be great if you could review us on Apple Podcasts as well. So thank you guys so much, and I hope that you enjoy this first episode of DesignCast Season 3. Hey guys, welcome back. This is the beginning of season three of DesignCast, and I am just absolutely excited and really stoked to have a good friend of mine and colleague here, Jarrett Dunbar. And I want him to tell a little bit about himself because he can only do himself justice. I know that I will definitely mess something up. And so, Jarrett, thanks for being here, man. Yeah, of course. My, my name is Jarrett Dunbar. I'm a MYP design teacher, formerly grade five teacher at Chadwick International, which is where Jason and I met, heading to Rio de Janeiro, to American School of Rio de Janeiro. Started in July, so I'm well into it now. Currently a teacher, started out in the United States as a product designer and design professional. That's where my background, my education is in. Went to Arizona State University to major in design management and industrial design. Following school, I got out. I started doing freelance design work. You know, for me, I'm very independent and freelance design work wasn't paying the bills like I needed it to pay the bills. (laughs) I was the definition of a starving artist and uh, I needed consistency. I was able to find a path in teaching in Arizona and even being in that space, being that it's something that I wasn't used to, I wanted to find some way to incorporate design. So I had my students trying to use Legos. Show what you're thinking. We're gonna do a sustainability project. This is the design process. Sketch out your ideas, things like that. I really want to get them thinking and thinking creatively and visually. And I didn't know that this field and this lane was an opportunity or that it actually existed. So I was just like, okay, I'm just going to try to find some way to be a design teacher, even though I don't know if that's even a thing. Uh, So anyway, I ended up finding out about teaching abroad. I moved to South Korea to teach English, and I stayed teaching English for about two years. Moved from uh, Kunsan, Korea, to west or central west coast of Korea, from teaching at an an academy, an English academy, and then to the DMZ, eight miles away from the DMZ, uh, living and teaching. And I was in a public school until I ended up here at Chadwick. Had a great opportunity to come to Chadwick. 
I started off as a student teacher, uh, working, of course, with you, Jason. <laughs> it was a great experience. <laughs> it was a fantastic experience. I realized that I can do what I had originally wanted to do in teaching, and that was to teach design, you know, and to show and share with students that you can create products. You can let your imagination run wild. You know, growing up, we didn't really have opportunities or we didn't have teachers that were saying, hey, well, you can do this. It was just kind of like, well, you can draw, you like to build, but what are you going to do with that? You know, so being able to actually shed light on something that I'm passionate about and do that on a daily basis is something that really excites me and that I enjoy and I'm ecstatic to actually be in this field, you know? Yeah, as I said, it's it's been great. I moved into grade five from teaching high school and middle school design, and that, that was a nice transition. Um, I was able to start easing that transition for, for my grade five students from the makerspace mindset of tinkering and building to creating with a purpose and really observing what we're doing and why we're doing it. So now we have a project, but what is the basis of this project? Why are we creating this? Why, what does it need to be modeled after and why does it have to be modeled that certain way? What are some, some solutions that we can create? What's going to work? What's not going to work? And how can we move forward with it? Uh, so really bringing in design thinking or just trying to tie into that NYP design process and expose them to that without really just driving them insane, you know? <laughs> because grade five, you're only exposed to so much when it comes to design. But it's been great. It's been really fun and I'm really excited to get to Brazil. And when you get to Brazil, what tell us a little bit about your school setup, you know, because we're recording this in transition. You know, you're on your, you're about to head there and tell us a little bit about what the schools, what they're asking you to do. So I'll be teaching middle school and high school design, starting off with grade six through grade 10. And the plan for this school is they're actually a school in transition as well, going into NYP. So I'll be bringing in NYP design as their first NYP design teacher. It's nerve wracking to an extent, but luckily, thanks to the IB design guy that's in front of me right now, I feel a lot more comfortable than I would. I've had the benefit of having a lot of great resources around me to build my confidence up, coming in with a lot of ideas and being a design professional. There's so much that I want to do, and that's really where I want to take it with a new program and a new school and start implementing new projects and shedding new light on things that the students may not have been exposed to just in the past, really start integrating some some different subjects. That's really what I'm interested in doing at this school. Being able to be here and do that is going to be awesome. Kind of went on a tangent. But <laughs> that's all right. No, that's great. I mean, we're just curious because a lot of people find themselves who might be listening to this in a situation where they've been asked to help transition the school in some way, shape, or form. And a lot of times they've come in from a non-design background. So you already have that benefit of having been a product designer, having, you know, kind of have that design thinking mindset to start with. And so I think that already gives you an advantage in moving forward with this particular process. And, you know, schools are only growing and, and the appetite for the information about design and about NYP design and DP design and, and beyond continues to grow. So more and more schools are, are looking for that. So that's great. I mean, I'm sure people will be happy to hear about sort of what you're doing there at the school and how that's going to uh, impact 
the way the school is is growing and uh, the students are going to be the ones who benefit from having you there and doing stuff like that. So I know you're excited about going. And uh, one reason I wanted to have you on is that in that time last year when you were doing some student teaching and some other work in, in the department where I'm at, you had a really interesting unit that was based all around biomimicry. It was something we had never really even approached before. So I want to hear a little bit more about what is biomimicry? How did you incorporate that into what you were doing? And then I even understand you've done some biomimicry down in like grade five, if I'm not mistaken, but tell me a little bit about that. So the lesson that I approached last year was shaping your environment. But yeah, it was all on biomimicry. So biomimicry is designing based off of nature. So what you're really doing is taking natural elements and natural, natural processes, strategies, designs, and we're designing our own specific products based upon that. So what we're able to do is take things like leaves and observe the stems of leaves and see how we can create structure, you know, or a better example would be looking at hummingbirds and basing the design of uh, high-speed trains totally off of a hummingbird's beak. So there are many ways that we can take it. When it really comes down to it, it's just taking elements of nature and designing around that. Nature is nature, you know, it's been around forever. The way that the world works sans humans, it's been successful and will continue to be successful with or without our presence. So what we can do to help keep things going, keep things flowing, is to start looking at those specific elements and designing the way we live and the way we operate based off of that. It saves on how we produce, it saves on the processes, the time that it takes to create products, because we're all, at the end of the day, we're really just building, testing, and going through this cycle when we can simply observe what's outside of our window and see that nature is already designed tested and been successful with plenty of designs that we're trying to, to this day, to mimic. So biomimicry is really just the act and the art of meshing design and nature together so we can be as as successful as the world around us. I was fortunate enough to come in and give a small lesson to grade nine and 10 and have them work through projects last year. Had a lot of great designs come out of those classes. I know some students were able to look at the way that grass bends, how the flexibility of grass and the structural integrity of grass. And they were able to design, because they're teenagers, cell phone cases. <laughs> they, designed, they prototyped a cell phone case. I had some other students that were observing just the way that, that mushrooms absorb water and use that to, to create an insole for a horseshoe. Excuse me, that was moss. Um, yeah, we had a few really interesting concepts coming out of these high school students. They were engaged, uh, really got them thinking, thinking outside of the box, which they, which we really wanted them to do, you know, because it ties in prior knowledge at that point because they're thinking about well, I went over this in biology. We went over this in science. All I'm doing now is just diving deeper into what I've already learned. And we now I can just apply that to design class. There is a big place for design here in the education, or excuse me, for biomimicry in the education field. And I know it's growing and I really hope that it continues to grow because it is going to play such a large role in how we operate as a society, maybe now, maybe within five to 10 years from now you know and i think it's great that you did bring me on to do to talk about it but i do believe that this is a huge field this podcast is a proud member of the teach better podcast network better today better tomorrow and the podcast to get you there explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com now let's get back to the episode
thank you for sharing that with us, Jarrett. And I hear that you did some work with like the lower school students, the grade fives with biomimicry. Is that correct? I worked with grade four, brought some last year, I brought some grade tens down to work with grade four and helped them on some, just some basic biomimicry design stuff for a day, work through some projects and really get their minds going. That just shows the engagement that it created with those students, you know, because at that point I had been with them all of maybe two weeks of coming in. They were able to go down. They understood what was going up going on. They were passionate about what was going on. And they were able to share that with those grade four students and had grade four students thinking of, well, I've drawn a giraffe. It's like, well, what can you do with a giraffe? What is so special about a giraffe? How can we mimic that? It's like, well, giraffes are taught, use their long necks to reach and da, 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 da. It's like, so what can, so what can we as humans take from a giraffe to do whatever we need to do, whether it be reaching up to a high place or anything like that. And it really got the kids thinking out as the 10th graders were thinking outside the box to create new products based upon those natural features, you know? But yeah, I was able to work with grade four, grade five this year, which were those former grade four students. And I was able to take them into makerspace and base and create a B project. So my class is 5B. So we had based something around bees. What we really, what we did is create um, bee hotels. I had them work through and design bee hotels and we operate in the makerspace of Chadwick and they worked through the MYP design process. They were able to do full on research, ask questions. They had already learned, done so much for their UOI, for their year long UOI on bees that they were able to take that research and apply it to this bee project. They were able to look at those existing products of bee hotels and think, well, that's not gonna work and even though people say that's successful, we know that bees need this. So I think the best product that actually came out of that was a honeycomb-shaped bee hotel. It was based upon the way, of course, that bees create honeycomb. They were able to create smaller compartments for those bees, for those carpenter bees to come in. They knew what bees were going to need and anything like that, and just push it all into their hotel, you know. It came out to be a fantastic project for them. I was pleased with what they came up with for trying to take on such a large project in a short amount of time. But they were able to look at nature, be inspired by nature, and try to combine that with say, with existing products that aren't nat necessarily natural, and try to mesh those two and see where they can make improvements. And that's in grade five, you know. But that shows that you can take biomimicry from anywhere in the DP all the way down to the PYP. I don't know for about you, Jason, but for me, I know I would look outside as a kid and think, oh, that's a that's a cool tree, you know? I wonder what this tree would look like as, as like a hut or a house, but you're just drawing, right? As a kid, you're just going to draw whatever you see around you. But with biomimicry, what we can do is take that inspiration, that imagination, and we can start really applying it. it. Gives the students a purpose to actually draw the tree and then think, well, what? how can we benefit from that? What can we create that's similar to a tree? So rather than just creating something, a giant tree with rocket launchers shooting out of it as, <laughs> as a second grader would do, we can base our lessons on what our target area is and base it upon nature. I think biomimicry has its place here. And I think we, it's something that we do need to continue to pursue. Awesome. And so if somebody wants to find out more about biomimicry or some good places, you can get more information or there's some, I know that you've probably got some places you've gone to get information to help you with your planning. What kinds of places would you go? What kind of websites or books would you use to find out more? 
I would say the Biomimicry Institute was a great start. They're probably the first ones that are going to come up when you actually looked up biomimicry. That's where I get a lot of my information from. Another one is uh, Biomimicry 3.8. That's an organization that is in association with my alma mater, Arizona State University. And what they do is they actually provide professional development for teachers or for professionals in general, not only educators, but they provide learning resources and training, consultancy work all around biomimicry. So that would be another one. Uh, there are a few places on Twitter that are the same. Another great resource for teachers is Ask Nature. Ask Nature is is basically a giant search engine for biomimicry. So if you want to research trees, bees, ants, whatever it may be, you can type in the name of something and it's going to pull up articles upon articles of what you really want to look into and different strategies and how these natural elements can affect you or can affect us and how they can benefit us. So Ask Nature would be a great resource as well. Is there a particular reason why Arizona State University has this sort of institute? Is it something to do with a lot of stuff in Arizona sort of is biomimicry based or is it just it is I mean like is there a particular reason why ASU does push that we are very big on innovation uh, number one school in the nation on innovation because of that they've actually started a biomimicry institute that started a few years ago with professors from the Design Institute, from the Herberger College of Design, as well as some, some bioscience professors. And basically what they did was come up with a master's program based upon biomimicry. And from there, they've been able to branch off and create some more programs, such as a certificate program, as well as an undergrad program, all on biomimicry. Arizona is a beautiful place to actually get that going, just because there are so many different natural elements that you can be inspired by, whether it be a desert, a forest, a mountain, rivers, in Arizona in general to just kind of see and get that inspiration. Very cool, man. Thank you for that. Because I, I think there's probably a lot of people who are familiar with the concept, but I don't know if they've ever thought about applying that to design units. And so that's one reason I was so excited to talk to you about this. In addition to that, what kinds of things are you excited about at the moment? Do you, you know, what are you really pumped up about going on right now. It can be about anything, but what are you excited about? I'm definitely excited for starting the new school year. Whether it be distance learning or not, I'm still excited about it. It's brand new. It's a brand new position, something I've always loved to do. I'm excited for a new country. That's going to be awesome. What I'm really interested in is we've spoken on biomimicry, but you know, Jason, being in Songdo, we don't, we're not really surrounded by a lot of nature. I mean, we have parks, but it's not the same. So I'm really excited to be in a country that has so much, that is so lush and so green and actually being able to take my students out or have them go outside and explore and see what natural elements they can find, what strategies they see and how they can apply that and let that be through firsthand knowledge and firsthand experience rather than just going online and researching, you know? So I'm really looking forward to being close to the Amazon and just being out, you know? That's something I'm really passionate of, not passionate about, but looking forward to. Probably folks don't know this because I don't know if anyone knows this, but you and I are Instagram buddies and we're constantly sending each other design related things, whether it's architecture or drone footage or yeah. <laughs> whatever. So who do you follow for inspiration, whether it's Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or whatever, what kind of things, do, who do you follow or what organizations do you get inspiration from? I follow a lot of college students, actually, when it comes to design. I definitely follow a lot of industrial design students and industrial designers. Naming them off the top of my head is going to be 
very difficult, but if you've got a few top ones though, Daniel Simon, Daniel Simon is actually a designer that helped me out. My mentor from high school and my early college days put me onto him. Just his style and his futuristic take on creation is amazing. He's done a lot of different movies as well. He's not just a product designer. He works with the robot races and designing the cars for robot racing. So yeah, Daniel Simon, uh, Alice Rothstrom. She's a design, I want to say design philosopher. She's somebody that I follow on Instagram. During quarantine, she's been doing some live meetings and live chats similar to like being in a college lesson, but, or just not even a lesson, just a talk, you know? And it's really great to have somebody that is so experienced and so knowledgeable on design coming in and just being open to being on social media, you know? I would say Daniel Simon, Alice Rostrum, I follow different college students for their, just to see what they're designing and see just different takes and different perspectives and just different styles, really, just different sketching styles. So that's always good to- Yeah, I'll make sure to get there information and put it that in the show notes you know you can share that with me i'll make sure that other folks are able to get as much inspiration if you as you've gotten and of course as you know design boom and art daily and all that the stuff that we go back and forth within the in our chats <laughs> it's fun you know there's things that pop up and you see it before i do and you'll send it to me and that kind of stuff so i think you you have to have that those kind of folks in your life to you know spur you on and challenge you and to keep pushing and it also grounds you a bit because you know as we're talking this whole stuff with covid-19 and coronavirus and all that's going on we have to have something to kind of take our mind off that at some point during the day right because we're we don't want to just be so pessimistic all the time because at some point hopefully this will be a distant memory but we I'm, with respect i do i would love to see how we learn to deal with it and how we learn to grow as a human race you know and as a as, as human beings yeah i think you have to have those people in your life that help push you along right yeah you always need that what not just one but yeah you always need those people just next to you that are going to help you out and get you through these times yeah man that's great hey so let me ask you this jared how can folks get in touch with you if they want to follow you i know you've got a lot of instagram stuff going on but how can folks get in touch with you uh, if you want to get in touch with me i am always available on social media of course um my instagram is j dunbar edu and rather than an a it's a v because i don't know <laughs> my twitter would be i am not j dunbar with a v twitter won't let me change that so i just i just ran with it so <laughs> I am not J-D-U-N-B-V-R on Twitter. And again, I'll make sure that people have that in the show notes so they can <laughs> listen to that. You know. <laughs> Jared, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. And I would like to have you back once you've gotten settled in your new school. I want to hear how things are going. And so maybe we can look at doing a, a, you know, a follow-up chat at some point. So I hope that you'd be open to that. And I hope that you um, would find that something you might like to do. I'd love to. You know, I, you know, I'm happy to come on, on anytime. Yeah, I know. I appreciate that, Jared. And I want you to know, I appreciate your collegial camaraderie. I appreciate that. And I wish you all the best in your new position. And I really do appreciate you coming in and sharing your expertise today. Thank you, Jason. And thank you for all your mentorship and help getting me through this. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely, Jared. And I just hope that you pass it on, man, and pay it forward with other folks, you know, in the, in the future. Of course. Of course. All right, thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. 
I hope you enjoyed that episode of DesignCast. I'm Jason, your host, and I produced and created this podcast. If you have any input, I would love to hear from you. And I look forward to seeing you again really soon.